You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 126. And today I am joined by nobody. This is just a solo episode with me. One thing I've noticed about deer season and probably something you guys noticed through the month of November is it is increasingly harder with the holidays and with just everybody wanting to be out in the deer woods at the best time of the year to get people to come on the podcast, whether that's Jake or Peyton or other guests, everybody seems to be in the woods trying to soak up the best time of the year and heck i'm i'm over here trying to find days like trying to find ways during the week you know even living multiple hours away from the places i can hunt to just get out because deer movement has been awesome um big deer are going down so uh it's hard to get people on but anyways i hope everybody else has had a, a great thanksgiving this past week everybody had time off and hopefully some people got to go out in the deer woods i was with my wife and her parents so my in-laws and we hung out slept ate slept ate repeat didn't do any deer hunting this week um but hopefully people are are getting a bunch of deer down um on this episode since i don't have jake or pate and we wanted to do another hunt talk episode about the second leg of our november trip that we did to kansas i'm gonna hold off on that because jake and peyton were there and they had different experiences and me and Peyton both shot bucks, so we're just going to hold off on on that episode till we can get Jake and Peyton back on. But what I wanted to do is I posted a TikTok video about 10 days ago asking for questions. So Q&A, things that you guys wanted to talk about, the community, and everybody, we had a lot, a lot of people respond to the Q&A. So this is just going to be a quick solo episode, and I promise you guys me, Peyton, and Jake are going to jump back on and talk about our Kansas hunts very soon. And hopefully I'll get to get out this weekend. So I'll even have more to talk about. Jake is chasing a freaking very mature, big old 10 point up in Northeast Oklahoma. So it's just, we got a lot of things going on and I promise you it's going to be worth the wait. One more uh, little housekeeping item before we get going. We just dropped a new video um, it's a guy you've seen on the channel quite a bit, Hunter Williamson and Jake Ayers. They are, it's a really good hunt in Southwest Oklahoma and Hunter actually ends up getting his first deer ever with a bow. So pretty sentimental, pretty awesome episode. And I just ask you guys to check that out on YouTube. If you haven't, we also have uh, the first leg of our trip that video is up. So anyways, let's get into the tech talk Q and a. And I think I got four or five questions here and then I'll get you guys out of here and hopefully next episode we'll be talking more hunting stuff. So I got it up on my other screen here. Question number one, <laughs> Brandon Saunders, AKA Huntworks, He texted me specifically about this question and <laughs> I don't know how to answer it. Um, do you struggle to quote unquote drain the snake when your hands are ice cold and have to go through all those layers of clothes. Thanks. <laughs> so I think paraphrasing here, um, how do you pee through all them layers of clothes? He's 
this is a good question. This is a this is a difficult question. Um, I struggle with this in Kansas, actually. So whether you're one of the people that you know believes you need to pee into a bottle or has comfortability peeing out of your tree stand or blind or whatever, I guess that's irrelevant. Man, sometimes it is tough to pee through all those layers. Thankfully, I've upgraded my gear in the last you know four or five years, so I have um, a really good set of Sitka Fanatic bibs. And so the bibs are so good that I usually are wearing, I have the bibs and the jacket. I usually wear like one layer and then my bibs. So it's not like uh, a, a next to skin and then a pant and then a sweat pant and then the bib. No, I only wear two layers on my coldest day. So it's not that hard, you know, like I always hear people making the jokes and I see a lot of videos on TikTok about it, but um people being like yeah me digging through five layers of clothing trying to grab you know you know what and it's it's kind of funny i guess that's a funny question uh so no i i I don't struggle that bad but that's also because i don't have very many layers of clothing so brandon there you go I, i answered your question um question number two this comes from his name is Poppy on here, but I, this is Steve Holland. Two things. First, how are your parents? Second, n- nice beard, dude. Okay, so th- this is one of my pastors from growing up. How are your parents? My parents are doing well. I don't know if Steve actually listens to the podcast or not, but my parents are doing well. Just moved out onto the property with my grandparents, so they're living back in Benita again. And nice beard, dude. So, yes, at this time I had a decent little decent little flow going on the beard. It's a little longer now. So thanks, Steve. Not really hunting related on that one, but there's an update. Creek Kings. So funny thing, Creek Kings, you guys have probably seen them on YouTube. They're, they're blowing up. Um, arguably probably some of the best YouTube videos out there as far as hunting goes. Like I guess you could compare them, the quality and kind of a little bit different style, but they remind me of seek one in a lot of ways. Um, they ask, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to go be hunting in Ohio in January. So I might be able, might be doing a little collab with Creek Kings. Who knows? Um, but they said, they asked the hunting industry. It seems like a mystery. How can you get in and be successful? Like if you're starting a channel or an account. And then B, B Rob 07 commented back and said, I love this. This is an interesting one. I feel like the hunting industry is really, um, really small you know i mean it's you think about like all the major podcasts that you like listening to they're basically cycling through the same you know 50 or 100 guests that are kind of the faces of an entire industry when it pertains to hunting so i feel like it's extremely small when i started in 2019 doing this podcast and just making content in general for youtube and social platforms i kind of went the route that I feel like everybody goes, which is, Hey, I'm going to, you know, try to get on all these pro staffs. I'm going to get on a broadhead pro staff and, um, you know, maybe a, a bow company or, or, or whatever it is. And then I'm basically going to just get on social media and tell everyone that what I use is the best, uh, equipment in the world. And basically just take, say that whatever company that I'm pro staffing for at the time is amazing. And I did that for a little while, you know, uh, me and Jake Gaylord did that for like, I don't know. It seemed like a year or something like that. We did it. And it was just 
kind of funny because some of the things we were saying was not true. You know, it's like these broadheads are the best or this is the best bow case you can get. And this is the best bow site you can get. And kind of everything that we use was the best, which just wasn't very objective. And so I kind of fell for that in the beginning was like, Hey, I need to be on all these pro staffs. Hey, that that's how I'm going to gain influence and kind of acted a little bit out of character. I would say, you know, just trying to, um, be one of those people that I think you see it a lot on these, some of these big shows that are, um, have all these sponsors, but it's, it's basically the idea of when you kill a deer, it's like, Hey, I want to thank, um, X, Y, Z broadhead, the, you know, this air, this arrow shooting it and this bow blowing it through at 300 feet per second. Like basically just thanking every single company, um, and (laughs) blowing off the fact that you could kill a deer with pretty much any bow or any arrow or any broadhead if you're proficient at it. And (laughs) that's not really, a very good attitude if you're trying to get sponsors, but I tried to kind of go down that route of the, you know, I want to appease people. I want to make people happy uh, and kind of got away from just doing it because I enjoy it and, and being myself. And I think when I started HA, I went kind of went back to that, you know, it's how do I, how are you going to make it in the industry? Well, I- anything in life to be successful, it seems like you need relationships to start, so that's one of the reasons selfishly that I started the podcast is like, I'm going to get all these people that I admire and then I can learn from and record our conversations and give them to other people. Hopefully they'll get value from it. But that was kind of my way of getting into the industry was I'm going to meet with these people. I'm going to talk with them, owners of these companies, bow hunters, you know, quote unquote influencers in the hunting industry. And that's kind of how I got plugged in. And, you know, we have sponsors now we have all these things because of it. Um, and it's just really, you, you kind of have to, to get plugged in, I think is you have to come from a place of wanting to provide value first and do something for someone else instead of saying, Hey, if I bring this comp this owner, this company on, you know, they'll sponsor us. That's not how you create a relationship. I think it's like, Hey, let me, uh, what can I do for you? What ways can I help you? And then maybe later on, you know, someone will come back and scratch your back the other way. But what I've noticed is if, is if you do right by people, people will do right by you. And that's kind of always worked, um, worked for us. Another thing I'll say just about the hunting industry is it can be absolutely whatever you make it. You don't have to be within the industry. Like you see people on TikTok all the time that are not plugged in. They're not sponsored. They don't do anything, um, for companies, but they have a massive following because they post on social media and their content is valuable or funny or entertaining or educational. You can just get in, just start. You can just decide one day, you know, you don't get in and say, what makes me different? What, um, what do I do different than everyone else? Well, you might not do anything that's different from everyone else. It just might be you. Um, but some advice I would give you is don't try to be anything um, other than yourself. Cause it's just not sustainable long-term Um, but yeah, if you want to get started in the industry and, and be successful, just, I'd I'd say focus on relationships, um, just create content. Don't, don't find excuses, um, of why you're not creating content or why you're not networking or why you're not reaching out to people or, um, the, it's kind of all on you is, is what I'd say, but focus on relationships. Don't make excuses. I think you can quote unquote, get into the hunting industry that way. And I don't even know if I'm the best person to ask. Cause I don't even know if I would consider myself in the hunting industry besides uh, hunter's advantage. So I hope that one answered, hope that answered that one pretty well. 
Chad Allen Jones says, what is your experience on hunting public land in Kansas? And would you go back? That's a, that's a very good question, Chad. Um, my experience, I actually had a lot of experience hunting public land in Kansas. We went in late August, set out trail cameras, came back a month later in September before the season started. We, we used our strategy that we call hang, you know, set and reset. So set cameras, come back, check and adjust and reset. And man, we had a lot of really good photos. Um, you know, nothing absolutely insane, but you know, some 140 inch bucks, um, on camera. And I was really excited for hunting Kansas this year. You know, you hear, uh, all you hear is, you know, uh, land of giants, you know, there's, there's deer all over the place. Um, you know, there's a, there's a giant buck behind every tree. That's kind of one of the, that's kind of at least how I've seen it hyped up. You see it on outdoor shows all the time. You know, people just shooting giant bucks in Kansas. Um, it has a one buck limit. It's, it's managed pretty well. There's a decent amount of public land. It has a lot of good things going for it. And so I was excited, you know, I was like, okay, you know, since it's a draw state, there's a limited amount of people that can be on public land, uh, at least from a non-resident perspective. So I was thinking that Kansas is going to, going to be super easy. You know, you're going to march in, find you, um, some connecting timber in between two food sources or some connecting timber to a, to a bedding area and, you know, hunt on the right wind. And it, it just kind of be easy. And to be honest, in the, in the first part of the season, hunted there a lot this year. Um, in September, man, we, we had great hunts. Like I think our first hunt there, I saw 20 plus deer hunting beans, um, in September. And then actually on the first weekend we ever hunted there had about 140, you know, probably a mid one forties buck, um, come by me at 60, 68 yards. Uh, Jake Gaylord actually had an opportunity to that same buck that evening. Um, so in the beginning part of the season, it was awesome because it was like, we were hunting, we were seeing a lot of deer. They weren't pressured all over the place. Like we never were competing for spots. And it was like that pretty much all the way through October. Um, pretty much the entirety of October. I saw I hunted in September once I hunted, um, I think October, 11th in that range. And then I went up again with my wife and hunted, you know, October 17th or something like that. And every single time had opportunity at bucks, um, October 17th, I think I had a Pope and young quality buck come in last light. It's in one of our videos and got in a full draw on him. It's the same hunt where I shot a coyote and, you know, saw seven bucks and one hunt in October. And you know, and I just got in a full draw on that buck and I never, never pulled the trigger. He was quartering to me a little bit and he just wasn't exactly what I, what I wanted. You know, we went up there with the expectation of land of giants, you know, past, past Pope and young bucks. And so Jake did that as well. Like he was passing Pope and young bucks, seeing, I think he saw almost 30 deer one sit in October. I mean, we were just, we were just kind of getting into it a little bit. You know, we were doing the thing and we thought, man, if this is what it's like, and this is one of the mistakes that we made was, man, if this is what it's like in October, what the heck is it going to be like in November? It's going to be, 
they're gonna be rutting, they're gonna be crazy, you know. And if and if it stays with this amount of people, like we're gonna be in them, no problem. And it just wasn't that way. Like we went back that second week of November, and it looked like you had imported an entire army of people to hunt in the same places that you were seeing all these deer and you were passing all these, you know, Pope and young quality deer on public land, which looking back is stupid. We never should have done that. Um, these places were just overflowed with people and you got to say to yourself, okay, you got to get creative. Maybe you got to walk further back. Maybe you got to access it different ways. You know, you got to do all these things to find these deer. And we tried to do that. I mean, first uh, morning in November, I went and hunted a spot that was like 800 yards off the road. It was on a walk-in area and I was planning on sitting all day. And, you know, I adjusted my sit about, I think it was about one o'clock in the evening. I had adjusted my sit and here comes a guy walking by me at like 80 yards and or 40 yards. And he's got a freaking camping gear on his back. And here comes another person 10 minutes later. And then 30 minutes later, here comes another person. You know, I eventually got out of this set and realized that, I was on a freaking uh, hiking trail through a public wildlife area and they're just hiking through mid November hiking through, you know, no reason, no reason not to it's public land. Right. Okay. That's fine. Um, so I, I had to tear down there, go to my other spot that used to be good. Didn't see anything hunted another place. Um, the next morning after all this had happened, and I'm walking back in this place and it's a lot thicker than it looks on the map. And, you know, I'm, I'm accessing it on the right wind direction. And uh, I sit down for a second cause I'm just drenched in sweat. Like it's so hot, um, in this middle part of uh, November. And as I sit down, I hear a guy 40 yards away. Hey, are you gonna, you gonna sit right there? And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't even see you. I said, I'll get, I'll get moving. And he said, I think you should kind of in a snarky way. Um, so that was, that was so stupid. This person had accessed the, this place we were hunting. He had access it on a completely wrong wind was walking through an an entire bedding area to get into his stand. It, It was just silly. It was just hunting it the completely wrong way. But anyways, we can talk more about this on the hunt talk episode, but it just seemed like in November, I just could not get away from people like in October and September, man, I had such a good time hunting in Kansas. It was like a, it felt like a whitetail paradise, you know, no one's out there cause it's hot. Um, you know, people think you can't get it done in the early part of the season. That's just not true. I mean, I would love to go back and hunt Kansas. I think one of the things that I would do differently if I was to hunt Kansas again would be to probably try to try to put more effort into finding private access because we'd spent so many you know before november we party i'd already spent 10 days hunting up there i could have spent some of that time looking for private access or trying to develop some sort of relationships with people to get leases uh, maybe in the future or you know just start relationships start conversations that could possibly lead to fruit later on and we just didn't do that. We just kind of thought, you know, hey, we'll rest on our laurels. Like we've killed bucks, good bucks in Oklahoma public. And I've shot deer in Texas. So I was like, you know, I can, I think I kind of wanted the challenge of hunting the public. And 
it was fun while it lasted, but you know, when you're hunting, you're banking all your vacation on uh, deer hunting and, you know, trying to be successful in that small period of time. I just don't like not having options. And it, there was so many times where I would drive by my, you know, my two spots for the morning and, or my one spot for the morning, someone's there or the evening, someone's there, or if they're not there, you get walked up on, you know, got walked up on seven times in a two week span. So I enjoyed it. I mean, they're really part of the season. November sucked. Um, ended up shooting a buck and so did Peyton, but it just sucks. You, you just don't like battling because you start making decisions based on where people are and based on how people are accessing it wrong or other people's mistakes. And you're almost trying to capitalize on other people's mistakes more than you are on just trying to hunt deer. And I don't like that. So I'd almost, if I was going to hunt public in Kansas again, just rather wait till a later date and probably, um, probably either hunt the, try to hunt some private access or get some private access and hunt public in the later part of November, because I've seen some of the, even some of the whitetail mission guys, um, Connor and Trey and some of the other ones, they've had fantastic success in Kansas. And one of them got it done in the middle part of October. And then one of them, got, one of them got it done, um, in the later part of November. And what's the correlation between two, those two things is that they weren't hunting those first two weeks in November. Um, they didn't get it done in those first two weeks of November because it's freaking hard. And I was talking with Connor who was also hunting all over Kansas and they were struggling with the same thing. Tags from Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, everywhere. And hey, Kansas is, it's a big buck state and it's an awesome state. So I totally understand why people want to hunt there, but that was just my experience. Yes, Chad, I would go back. I would love to go back. Um, just would try to gather maybe some more options um, in terms of private land, if I was going to do it again, would still love to hunt public though. Um, Steven or Steve H. Oh, he's got an awesome Labrador as his profile picture. He says nocturnal bucks. Steve wants to talk about nocturnal bucks. Um, that's an interesting one. I always hear, um, or I hear it very often, um, people saying, Hey, you know, I was hunting this buck and he was, uh, he was a daylighter. He daylighted all the time and, and now he's nocturnal. Okay. Um, well, deer have to move. Deer have to eat. Deer have to drink. Deer have to move. Um, they're not sedentary beings. So when I hear bucks say, noc- when I hear people say, you know, this buck is nocturnal or these deer are going nocturnal, my first thought is they're going nocturnal because they probably don't live close to where you're hunting or they're not moving close to where you're hunting. And you can kind of take that in a two prong approach. The first one is, okay, you know, I get a buck two hours after dark every single day and he's very consistent. Well, that tells me that he either lives in a different place on your property or on this piece of public too far away where he is not making it to your camera uh, before dark. That's one option. Um, or another option would be maybe as a result of pressure or human intrusion, he is no longer moving. Um, he has shrunken his home range. He's shrunken his daylight, um, range and is as a result is no longer walking in front of your cameras, uh, during daylight. And I think that's true. I mean, but the idea that a buck is completely nocturnal and they do not move at all during daylight, that is not true. If you ever watch a buck in a bedding area, 
you know, they might not move a lot. They might not move, you know, 50 yards, but those bucks are getting up, adjusting as the wind changes, walking around maybe a little bit, maybe moving five yards and bedding down again or moving 50 yards and bedding down again. They do those kind of things. So I, I don't, I don't agree that, you know, bucks go completely nocturnal or just quit using, um, quit moving in daylight hours. I think they always move in daylight hours. I think the question becomes, you know, is there something that you're doing with the way that you're hunting or the way that you're managing your property or the way that you're walking and intruding upon your property that is making a deer not feel comfortable moving in daylight hours? That's one of the things that we've tried to do really well with our lease properties is not giving a deer a reason to not move in the daylight. I want those deer on the places that I'm hunting thinking no one ever comes in here. This is a haven. It's basically, I I want them thinking they're at a, a wildlife refuge, you know, where no one ever walks in there. Um, no one is ever hunting this on the wrong wind direction. Nobody's intruding through bedding areas or anything like that. I want those deer thinking that. And I think a lot of people, that's where a lot of people make mistakes is, you know, they start hunting things in wrong wrong wind directions or they start going and checking their trail camera every two days or driving their four wheeler or their truck or all those sorts of things. And then as a result, they see these bucks that quit using things maybe in the summer or the early part of the season, they quit seeing them in the daylight. If you give deer a reason to not move in daylight, they will, they will, you know, they're a, they're a prey, they're a prey species. They're not a predator. So you give them reasons not to move and, and and they'll take advantage of them. So that's just a couple things I would consider, Steve, is how am I hunting? Why is a buck going um, nocturnal? Or, hey, this buck has never been a daylight buck on my property or where I'm hunting. Where's he coming from? And how can I set up my hunting tactics to maybe find him and hunt closer to where he's actually living and where he's actually spending his daylight hours? That's something to consider. Um, that's kind of all I have to comment on nocturnal bucks. I mean, you didn't ask much of a question. It's just the statement nocturnal bucks. So that's just what I'm going to talk about on the pod. So if you have more of a question on that, we can go deeper on it in maybe a, another podcast segment, but that's all I would say on that. And with that, I think that is the last question that we have from this week's Q and a podcast. So hope you guys enjoy those segments. I just just kind of throw these in there is I kind of think it's fun to see what the community wants to talk about and address. And it's a great way for us to engage with you guys. It's a great way for us to kind of see what you guys want to talk about on the podcast. So, and we kind of use these as a somewhat of filler episodes when we don't have the time or we don't have uh, as much, uh, can't really get together as much during hunting season. So I hope you guys enjoy these episodes. If you enjoy the podcast as a whole, make sure to go on Spotify or Apple or Google podcasts, wherever you listen to your episodes and give us a rating and review. So that means please, please click five stars. You just scroll down on your app, um, hit rating and review, and you can type a title. You can type out what you like about the pod and then leave us uh, five stars. That helps us meet, uh, reach new hunters with this message and it helps us uh, grow the show. So we don't spend any money in marketing. It's literally all you guys. That's how we grow the show. So thank you guys uh, for doing that. Make sure to go check us out on socials. If you guys want to see some hunting video, you know, we're always talking about it on audio on the podcast. If you want to see some video, 
go check us out. Um, Hunter's Advantage on YouTube. We got a bunch of new videos there. So go check it out. We appreciate you guys so much. If you got any questions or comments or just want to engage or send us a picture of a deer you're harvested or a deer you're chasing, make sure to check us on in, out on Instagram or TikTok. Send us a message. We love to talk about that stuff in the DMs. We do it all the time with people in the community. So thank you guys so much. And with that, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.